0: Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast with the Indianapolis Scouting Combine kicking off this week. The start of the NFL New Year, now about two weeks away, and the NFL offseason about to kick into overdrive. And today, we will be joined by the new offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, the former offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, a man I've known Since 1990, when he played running back at the University of Colorado, Eric Bienname. Has there ever been an offensive coordinator who has been tracked and charted more for an offensive coordinator position than Eric Bienname was this past postseason? And we will have Bienname share some details about when he knew he was destined to leave Kansas City, and his answer might surprise you. And have you ever had a teacher or a professor? who left a profound mark on your life. If you have, we have a tribute to another teacher that I had in my life who I want to pay tribute to today following the enemy interview. But as we mentioned, we are at the start of the NFL offseason. And with the NFL world descending upon Indianapolis this week, the news and information will start coming fast and furious. And we start really with, I think, a story that sets the tone for the coming weeks, and that is the fact that the Bears already have been approached by multiple teams about trading the draft's number one overall pick. In Chicago, is said to be "quote unquote" leaning toward moving the pick. So the number one pick is now for sale, and we can begin to envision the potential trade partners here: the Texans. All right, number two, the Colts are at number four, the Seahawks at number five, the Raiders at number seven, the Falcons at number eight, and the Panthers at number nine. That's six teams in the top 10 who could potentially be trade partners for the Chicago Bears as they explore a trade of the number one pick. Now, ultimately, in the end, it sounds like the Bears are going to wind up dealing that pick. Now, when is the ending question? Because there have been six trades involving the number one overall pick since 1990, and none have happened before April 14th. But the one thing that we've noticed with the NFL is that the timeline and all these things seems to be accelerating over time. Things happen quicker. And with so many teams potentially interested in that number one overall pick, it wouldn't be a surprise to me to see the number one overall pick traded before April 14th. Now, we'll see how that shakes out and what actually happens. But that is something that is going to be charted and monitored here. The Bears dealing the number one overall pick. And I will say this. I know that as we record this midday Monday, we are still waiting for an answer from Aaron Rodgers. We're still waiting to see whether the Baltimore Ravens tag Lamar Jackson with the lower franchise level tag or the higher franchise tag. And Rodgers and Lamar Jackson are huge stories, as is any quarterback here whose future is uncertain like Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. But there might not be a decision maker this offseason who has a more profound impact on shaping the NFL offseason than the Chicago Bears general manager, Ryan Poles. Consider this. Poles right now, holds the number one pick that's in play. Could trade that pick, probably will wind up trading that pick the bears have about a hundred million dollars worth of salary cap space so who is every agent going to want to talk to this week in indianapolis and in the weeks leading up to the start of the nfl new year on march 15th chicago bears general manager ryan poles the bears are going to be at the forefront of free agency they're going to be at the forefront of the nfl draft and the man Ultimately responsible for making the final decisions on the Bears' calls will be the Chicago general manager, Ryan Poles, who now looms as maybe the most significant figure this NFL offseason. It's going to be fascinating to see what Ryan Poles ultimately does with that number one pick and with all of that salary cap space. But the man that held a lot of intrigue here in recent weeks is the man that left Kansas City. For Washington, he played his college football at the University of Colorado, where he's still their all-time leader in rushing yards with 3,940 yards, rushing touchdowns with 42, and all-purpose yards with over 4,300. He was drafted in the second round of the 1991 draft, played nine seasons in the NFL with the Chargers, Bengals, and Eagles, and he spent the last 22 years coaching – in the college ranks and the NFL including the last 10 with the Kansas City Chiefs where he was a part of two Super Bowl winning teams. He now goes from winning a Super Bowl in Kansas City to taking on an altogether different challenge in Washington, the new Commanders offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, what up Shefty? How you doing, How you man? I'm doing my friend I'm oh, good. I was just saying to Sean just moments ago, I said, do you know how long Eric and I have known each other? Not that we're very close, but we've known each other for a long time. Exactly. We've known each other, I would say, 33 years. Sean, who just brought you in there, is 29 years old. Yeah, I know. So I said to him, Sean, have you ever heard of the fifth down play? At <laughs> oh, man. He didn't know about it. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, bro. I am good. So. Yeah? Yeah. Getting settled in still in a little scramble mode, but uh, trying to go from a football mode. Now I got to flip to the combine mode, if that makes sense. So trying to get ready and organized for the offseason, but on top of that still, make sure I can evaluate these guys the right way.
0: While moving and getting acclimated to a new organization and new people all around you.
1: Exactly. And here's the thing that I discovered yesterday, because I logged on to my Exos machine and You know, you're watching film and I'm looking at everything. I said, man, everything is brand new. So I was on the phone wearing Brack out, our video guy, they're on a damn plane traveling to, uh, (laughs) to the combine. I'm trying to find cut ups and edits. I had no idea. So I was like, I told my wife, I said, babe. This is day one. It's not my even be day one. This may be day minus two. <laughs> I haven't gotten a day one yet.
0: You know, I remember when I first went from NFL Network to ESPN and walking around and just learning your mm-hmm. way around, learning the technology. And I thought to myself, changing jobs is mm-hmm. a lot more involved than people would ever realize.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got to learn your environment. You have to learn your environment.
0: So Okay. So, so, so. Why move? Now, I know you said at the press conference, the opening press conference, that comfort is the enemy of progress. A great quote. But can you take us why somebody would go from a world champion in Kansas City, working with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, to go to Washington to work with maybe Sam Howell or we don't even know who?
1: Yeah. Well, here's the reason. So I was there for 10 seasons, okay? And it was an amazing ride. It was an amazing journey. Having an opportunity to work with Coach Reed, I have learned so much. OK, on top of that, working in that organization, how you build it from the ground up, uh, all the little things, your, your support staff, working with a GM and Brett Veach and John Dorsey prior to that and their entire scouting department. Understanding how the weight room dynamics work and the training room, you know, with Rick Burkhalter, had Barry Rubin in the uh, strength and conditioning aspect of it. And then Alan Wright with equipment. I mean, it was so good working with those people and having that opportunity to learn from them that it's we won two Super Bowls. What else is next? All right. I don't know. (laughs) Now the possibility of winning the third. Yeah. I mean, it could have happened, but I need a new challenge. I need to make sure that I can continue to grow in this industry and not that we wasn't growing and not that we wasn't evolving. Now I want to take everything that I've learned. All right. Now it's time for me to open up my circles of people and my family and start teaching these guys and You know, accepting and embracing a new journey and making sure that I can stay sharp and do it
0: how I want to do and how I envision it. How much of that decision was not getting a head coaching job, being passed over regularly, and I would imagine wanting to get that opportunity?
1: and, And obviously, everyone in this industry wants to be the head guy. You know everybody can't be the head guy at whatever reason if for for whatever aspect but the only thing i've ever wanted to do is just work with good people all right that has a great environment and that's why having this opportunity to work with coach ron was great because i've known ron you know coach ron since the 1999 season and You know, and knowing him, obviously, he's a California guy. He went to Cal. I followed him when he played with the Chicago Bears. I've always been a fan. But also having that opportunity to work with him when I was a player, but also to to get to know him and to know the person over the years, why not have that opportunity to come and work with a man of integrity, a leader of men, okay? And then the thing that I love about it is he's going to give me the opportunity to work with the offense and run it how I want to run it. So I'm excited about that. I'm fired up and it gives me a chance to help some of these coaches that we have on the staff to grow and develop together and do it our way.
0: You mentioned he's going to give you the opportunity to run the offense the way you want. How much of the offense in Kansas City was run the way you wanted, knowing that I would think Andy is very involved?
1: Well, here's the thing. We built that offense. The offense was built many moons ago, but every year it was, all, it was evolving. And so the thing that I thought we did a great job of is that it was a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Everybody had input, and that was the thing that made it fun, it made it unique, and it kept everybody involved yeah. because everybody had to have ownership. And when you had everybody involved and in having ownership – It helped build that chemistry with our staff. So now when we first got there, obviously in 2013, Coach Reed had a blueprint. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to be done. So I'm going to come in with that blueprint. And then as we continue with this blueprint, now it becomes more of a collaborative effort. Now we're doing it together. But there has to be a blueprint so we can lay the foundation to start.
0: Ten years with Coach Reed in Kansas City, you're talking about the blueprint what is the greatest lesson you take from Kansas City to Washington that you learned from him, Eric?
1: One of the greatest things I can take is to be consistent with my behavior. Coach Reed was is, is probably the most consistent person that I have ever met. And the person that I've known since 1999 as a head coach is the same person today. And I think – You know, uh, that's why so many of his former players absolutely love him. You never hear anybody speaking in a negative tone about him. They all have a greater appreciation for what he provided for them, okay, professionally on the field and also professionally off the field. And so I think that's one of the most greatest attributes that, that I have learned over the years.
0: And when you're going through this past season with them, you mentioned the idea of going on, doing your own thing, running your own offense, new challenges, getting used to a new environment, all those things, Eric. When mm-hmm. did you know in your mind that it was going to be your last season in Kansas City? Because there was a lot of chatter leading up to the Super Bowl in the playoffs that it was time for you to go seek a new challenge. Did you know this going into the season? Do you know it during the season? Did you know it at the end of the season?
1: So I guess I could talk about this now. I knew going into the season, me and Coach, we've talked about this for years. And the thing was, he was like, EB, I don't want to feel like I'm holding you back. And I said, Coach, you're not holding me back because this is a special place. Mm -hmm. And he said, you don't have to leave. He's always wanted me to stick around. That's the thing about it. I was always welcome to come back, but he knows me. (laughs) You know, Eric is always looking for a challenge. Eric is always looking for a journey that's gone. Uh, Help him to seek uh, a different way of doing things, but also to helping me to grow. And that way I can help my circle of people to grow and expand as well. So this is something that we had discussed. And so that's what made this year very special to me. It's, really taught me the, the the importance and not that it didn't, you know, but really just not taking the little things for granted because it, it was a hell of a year. It was a great challenge, but on top of that, it was a lot of fun and it was winning that last game kind of put the icing on the cake and it was an emotional moment. And so I've known for a while and, but, but that was something between me and coach It was nothing that was discussed with any of our other coaches, okay? And it was just us. And the thing about it, I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't a distraction for anyone else. No one else needed to know. And I just wanted to make sure that we went about our business the way we do it every single day, without distracting anyone from seeking the prize.
0: But you knew that this was going to be your last year in Kansas City, in all probability, at the beginning of the season. Yes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you do if you had an extra hour in your day? You know what I would do? I think I'd call BetterHelp. get a little help, a little mental therapy for all the stress that we all go through on a regular basis. That is excellent time and an excellent way to spend your free hour that has been freed up. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it in the future. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, for how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. We all go through things on a daily basis. Why not let the professionals at BetterHelp help you with whatever issue you're now encountering? If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot Adam.
2: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.
0: And how did it make you feel also to continually be bypassed for these, hey, coaching opportunities. The football world seems very bothered by this, Eric. Like, it's it's amazing to me. Like, everybody's rooting for you to get one of these jobs. And then I never have seen so much attention, I don't think, ever afforded to one candidate interviewing for an offensive coordinator job. You become a guy that I think people want to see get a job because a lot of people believe you deserve a job. What is it like for you, and how do you maintain the right attitude when you've been bypassed as often as you have been?
1: Here's the thing, Adam, and you know me, okay? I don't worry over spilled milk, mm-hmm. okay? Because you spend all your time worried about all the things that you haven't uh, been granted to do, then now you're taken away from the bigger picture, all right? So my job is to make sure that I'm always focused on the positive aspects of this. So now I have an opportunity to go and start something in a new place, a mm. bunch of new people, and establish a foundation, all right, establish a culture of how we're we gonna do things on offense and really live through my vision. And so those are the things that excite me. So you always gotta find the, the positive in every aspect of it, because and you and I've said this before, sometimes without any bad luck, we wouldn't have any good luck at all. And so Hell, it didn't happen. It's okay. I'm not going to worry over spilled milk. Do I get upset sometimes? Yes. But I can only get upset for that particular moment because guess what? I'm alive and breathing. I've had an opportunity to uh, make a good deal of money. Uh, The Mrs. B enemy is happy.
0: (laughs) 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 what you (laughs) think? You
1: know, both my kids, uh, my young men are doing great. And so, and plus I get to do what I love. And that's what makes it fun. And obviously, yes, you you want to achieve the goal of becoming that head man. But I don't mind to continue striving, you know, through this challenge. But on top of that, I'm going to enjoy this journey, all right, and embrace this challenge and hoping that we can take it to another level together.
0: Forgive me for not counting, but how many head coaching jobs have you now interviewed for, EB?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, you know. But I will say this though. Uh in the past five years with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think we had uh, uh played at five AFC championship games all <laughs> at home. Every playoff game was played at home. Uh won three out of four, uh won two out of four Super Bowls, played in three. So it it doesn't matter, Adam. Okay. We've collected the hardware. Uh, I had a great deal of fun. It was a a hell of a ride. And now it's about today moving forward.
0: But do you know the count? I'm just curious.
1: I know I do not know the count.
0: You haven't kept score or anything like that, right?
1: It's time to move on. Yes, sir.
0: (laughs) And, but, and forgive me for not moving on one final time, but you said sometimes you get upset. Is there one job that you once interviewed for that upset you a little bit more than the others that you thought you might get, that you were close to getting that didn't go your way? Is there one that stands out?
1: No, it's not one because, and and don't get me wrong, Shefty. Okay. I'm a sore loser. I hate losing. I hate, I despise losing. Okay. So you always want to make sure that you're doing everything, not to have to go through that emotion. But when you go through that emotion, you got to handle, learn how to handle and conduct yourself the proper way, because guess what? The sun is still going to come up. On top of that, you still got a job to do. So, And that's why I keep saying you can't keep, continue to focus on the negative. All right, You got to make sure that you're always focused on the positive. And the positive is this. I have an opportunity all right, to embrace a new journey. That's the thing that excites me and fires me up moving forward.
0: One final note. Again, I said that before. But a lot of people are pissed off because they see two coordinators in Philadelphia, the losing team in the Super Bowl, get head coaching jobs. They see the winning coordinator – Leave essentially for a lateral job. I know that there are added perks in terms of title, salary, responsibilities, but it's hard to look at that whole picture and see how close you've been and not get the job. Anyway, that's my two cents. We'll move on. You mentioned the positives. What are the biggest positives of Washington aside from the man that you'll be working with in Ron Rivera? What stands out to you about this personnel?
1: There's some young, there's some young talented players on this roster. I mean, we got young, talented players on the perimeter. We got young, talented uh, players that's playing the tight end position. You got young, talented players in the the backfield, all right? That includes the quarterback. Now, obviously, we got to continue working with the O-line, but there's some young talent up front as well. And so that's the things that excite me, okay? On top of that, this is going to give these guys a new way of seeing things, a new way of viewing things, and a new way of working. And so – you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. And they're excited, so it fires me up even more. So now I have to make sure that I'm, I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's, and I got to continue dotting them and crossing them. That way I can present to them the right information the right way. That way we can start getting these guys going and getting them to understand that, hey, you just got to have a confidence and belief in yourself. Everybody's mm. puts their pants on the same one leg at a time. But when it's all said and done, with do we have talent here? Yes, but talent only gives you a chance. There's some things that we need to embrace along the way, okay, that's going to help us to become the team that we want to become.
0: You know, I remember talking to one of the candidates for the job that you essentially got in the end, and he was raving to me about the talent in Washington on offense. Like He's like, you don't understand how much personnel, good personnel there is here. The running backs are loaded. The wide receivers are loaded. Good tight end. The big question, I think, is Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him so far? How much work have you done on Sam Howell?
1: You know what? I'm kind of, Right now, I'm still going through every throw that he made in college. I'm going back because we did that, uh, obviously, when he came out. And there's a process in it. But I'm going back and making sure I'm watching everything that he did in college. And then on top of that, I'm going to watch every throw that he's made since he's been here. And so the thing that I see, first of all, I see a kid that has a dynamic arm. He can make some unique throws. On top of that, he has a good presence in the pocket. He can run it. All right. One thing you also notice is that his the players that he's played with, they love him and they yeah. gravitate to him. And this kid has some stuff to him. Okay. And. That's the thing that I've seen so far. And I and I still got a long ways, ways to go. Every day I'm going through my little journal, I'm writing notes up. <laughs> and, and writing the good as well as the bad. Uh, the kid has stuff to him, Adam.
0: Well, Ron Rivera said that he is the current starting quarterback. You believe right now that on opening day, would you expect that he would be your guy?
1: I expect for him to compete for that starting role, Okay. Now, we always, Adam, and, and don't get me wrong, we want to create a culture of competition. So we got to make sure that he doesn't stone laurels. Obviously, I don't think he's that type of kid, but you always want to make sure that you're creating an environment where it's a competitive environment. And so that's where we're at today.
0: You a running back yourself? That's our relationship dates back to then, back at CU you when you were running back. What have you seen from Brian Robinson, who was involved in that scary incident last year when he was shot twice and then returned to playing football and finished with 797 rushing yards?
1: You know what? I see a kid that just, and I always say he has an it factor. We interviewed him. We spent a lot of time with him uh, throughout the process last year, him coming out. And so I remember in his interview, we gave him a hard time just to mess with him, just to see how he would handle everything. And here's the thing. The kid, he's a hell of a football player. He has the attitude – he has the right attitude and the right determined mindset, okay, to play the position. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that that you know. And then, I mean, just think about this moving forward after having that scary experience that he went through. You talk about the resiliency of him showing and putting it on display, coming back and being able to go out and play at a high level. So the kid has that it factor. He's – He's a good player. And then, hell, you got Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio just, he can do a multitude of things. Obviously, he played receiver and running back coming out of Memphis. We spent a lot of time with him coming out as well. You know, he just happened to be a football player that's playing in a running back position. So you just can't help but get excited about these guys. And there's some other guys on this roster now that can do some things. Uh, My man JP came in the other day. Uh, and the, the the good thing was we looked at each other. JD? No, not JD. JP. Uh, what's JP's name? Jared Patterson. Jared Patterson.
0: And oh, Joe. So, Joe. Oh, Jared. Powell. Okay, I was thinking JD McKissick. You're saying JP? Okay, excuse me. Go ahead.
1: And uh, Jared came in, and it was good to look a guy in the eyes. I was looking at him. I'm like, man, yeah, short running back club. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And we got talking about Maurice Jones-Drew, and and you bring up JD McKissick. J.D. McKissick has a special talent. You're talking about a great football player that happens to play the running back position. That's who he is. And obviously he's had some injuries, so it's unfortunate. But, you know, like I said, there's talent here, Adam. But, you know, in this business, talent only gives you a chance. It's my job to
0: make sure that we're putting it together the right way so we can go out and be as effective and efficient as as possible. Back to your short running back days. How is Deion Sanders going to fare at Colorado? You know
1: what? I think he's going to do a good job. But here's the thing I'm telling everybody, because there's a lot of buzz and a lot of, a lot of excitement. And he seems to be generating the right type of media publicity. The thing I'm, I'm trying to get everybody to just tell me, it has to be built. So let's just make sure that everybody understands. Yes, he's going to have a good season. And I mean, just getting those guys to establish a foundation, You know, I think it's important. And with all this transfer portal stuff, I mean, he and he has the personality to do it. But it's just making sure that he can get everybody on the same page and doing it the right way. Do I believe he's going to have the success? Yes, he is. Mm. You know, but I want everybody to temper the expectations because he still has to make sure that he can do it his way. But getting everybody to buy in. I'm fired up. I'm fired up for him.
0: See, so Deion Sanders gets his chance. Just imagine. What it's going to be like when Eric Biennami does get a head coaching job. That's going to be an awesome day. I mean, that's a positive thing. If we think about what that's going to feel like for you, what that's going to be like, EB.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'll be a great wave of emotion. But you know, one thing, I'll be fired up for about five minutes, and then you got to go to work. <laughs> you got to go to work. So,
0: well, EB, I'll let you get back to work. I appreciate you taking some time today. It's always nice to see you. Congratulations on the Super Bowl. Congratulations on the new job. Hopefully I get the chance to see you in Indianapolis.
1: Yes, sir. And thank you, Adam. I, I greatly, as always, have always appreciated you. You've always done it the right way. I appreciate you just being fair and honest. I mean, you report the facts and you report the truth. I just greatly appreciate our friendship, okay, but also to our business relationship that we have as well. And you do an outstanding job. Thank you sir.
0: You've come a long way. We've come a long way together since you were running back at Colorado and I'm working for the Rocky Mountain News and you're uh-huh. helping lead that team to the national championship getting extra downs in Kansas. It was Kansas, right?
1: It was Missouri, but Missouri, Missouri, <laughs> but that's it's right, Missouri. All good. The, the, the good thing is now. Don't get me wrong, the people in Missouri, they have treated me great. But just for that one deal Cause it comes up all the time. <laughs> Tell me about the fifth down. You guys cheated us. I'm like, oh lord, I got to deal with this again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they'll give you five downs in Washington, too. E. You never know. See,
1: there you go, Chef. You see, now you're bringing up old dirt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, thanks again. I appreciate it very much.
1: Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you, bro. Thank thanks. you for everything.
0: Yes, sir. And there is the new offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, Eric Bieniemy. And it's interesting how he was the guest this week because my relationship with him began in September of 1990 when I was hired as a general assignment reporter at the Rocky Mountain News, fresh out of Michigan and graduate school at Northwestern. And while I was at Michigan, I had one journalism professor, a writing coach by the name of Don Kubit. And more than any professor... I had in my time at Michigan or my time at Northwestern, Don Kubit was the one that encouraged me and trained me and educated me about being a reporter. And Don Kubit was a guy who essentially was there when a lot of people weren't. He would always cut out newspaper articles that Mitch Album wrote or great features that he had read, and we'd sit on a weekly basis and discuss the state of journalism reporters we respected and admired and my hopes and dreams. And through the years, from my time in Colorado covering Eric Bannemi at the Rocky Mountain News, onto the Denver Post, onto the NFL Network, onto ESPN, the only professor that I ever stayed in touch with was Don Kubit. And a few years back, while I was a helping my son in Ann Arbor. I spoke to Don where he lived, and I could tell that he was not doing well. It was hard to talk to him. He was battling Parkinson's. He was having a hard time stringing together thoughts. And last week, his partner, Barb, emailed me and Jeff Chadia, who works at NFL Network, because we were the two people that he trained and two people that stayed in contact with him over the years to let us know that Don was not doing well. And on Saturday morning, I got the email that he had passed away. And it's amazing how well I knew him and how little I knew about him because I began to think, well, how old is Don? I don't really know. He graduated from Michigan in the mid-70s, so that would make him about 70 or 71. There was a lot that I didn't know about him, but there was so much that I respected, appreciated, and loved about him. He was the professor, the professor who helped jumpstart this journey and helped encourage me along the way. And as I said to my wife and my children, there was nobody who ever offered, there was nobody who ever offered any more encouragement than the great Don Kubit who lost his battle with Parkinson's this past weekend. And my condolences to Barb, uh, to the rest of his family and friends. He is in my thoughts, he is in my prayers. Truly love the man. Truly appreciated the man. May he rest in peace. I want to thank Eric Bieniemy for joining us this week. I want to thank my great producers, Sarah Abbott and Christina Buswell, for putting together this podcast. I want to thank you, the listener, for taking time to listen to Eric Bieniemy and my thoughts on my late, great professor, Don Kubit. We'll be back next week after spending the week in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine, where rumors will be flying, information will be flowing, and we look forward to To being back in this spot next week with more information, insights, and interviews. Until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.